Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Changing the Climate, a show where we talk about the changing world around us and how we can make it better. Brought to you by Climate Change Realty. Okay, hello everyone. We're back with another episode. I am very lucky and excited to have Marlo Baines on the show. So Marlo, thanks so much for being here this week. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about this opportunity. Cool, cool, cool. Um, I'm excited to speak with you. I'll go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, we always get the show started with a little bit of background and who you are and how you got to be doing what you're doing today. Awesome. Um, so my name is Marlo Baines. I'm 18 years old and I'm the youth director for Earth Guardians. Um, and just a little bit of background on me. Um, my parents raised my brother and I to just recognize that the trees, birds, and crickets, and plants um, are with us and that we're not alone and that we don't have to struggle alone. So if I'm feeling anxious and depressed, um, if it's been a really hard and tough day over Zoom, um, I just go outside, take a moment to breathe um, and just nature allows myself to connect inwards, but also to connect outwards. Um, and I think as you've probably recognized, the earth helps heal us and keep us alive. And that relationship is just absolutely vital. Um, and back in 2016, um, I was 14 years old. It was in the middle of the 2016 election cycle. And I had an opportunity um, to go and support the water protectors up at Standing Rock, North Dakota for the Stand Against the Dakota Access Pipeline. Are you aware of it? Yeah, I was actually following it when I was I was going to see you and I was like watching like secular talk videos and stuff about that. Yeah, so it was an amazing and honestly life changing experience. Um, and it was really there that I realized that there's something so important about, you know, when people come together, it creates an impact um, to stand, especially for a healthy earth and climate. Um, and that's really, I think, what I learned from the Lakota, Dakota, Nakota people. Um, and on the drive home, I was just so fired up. I just wanted to do something. I wanted to get involved. Um, and I realized that um, if the fossil fuel infrastructure, pipelines, frack wells, and refineries, um, when they contaminate the earth, air, water, they impact us. So it became, you know, the, the climate crisis became intensely personal. Um, there was a shift in my understanding about the climate crisis. It wasn't just about, you know, ice melting, but it was about that the catastrophic uh, impacts of climate change um, not only impact our earth, but our communities. And if our earth is being impacted, so are we. And it's just such a basic reminder that I think sometimes people people forget, but we're a part of the earth's ecosystem. And so if we're hurting her, we're hurting ourselves. Um, and that experience has propelled me to do the work that I'm doing today. That's what I'm protecting. And that's a little bit of who I am. Yeah, that's incredible. You said you were 14 when you went to go do that? I was, I was. Wow. That's, you're really amazing. And we're going to talk all about everything you're doing and it is awesome. And it's just a great example that anyone can have an impact. And it's so, so obvious to me at this point, especially as Americans, we have this very unique position where our voices do matter a lot and our votes do matter. And I guess my next question was to ask how you were got inspired to be involved with climate activism, but I guess it's kind of just something that's been a part of your life since you can remember, right? Yeah, I mean, my mom, um, well, my parents would just kind of take me um, to whether it was like music festivals or it was um, Bill McKibben's uh, keynote at CU back in the day um, when they were starting to try to ban fracking within Colorado and Boulder. Um, so I've just kind of known about the climate crisis and I definitely grew up um, recognizing that there was something wrong. And then it was just that like, 
moment when I was 14 years old that it was like, I really want to do something. I really want to be involved. So um, I so agree with you and just that everyone can make an impact. And um, if anything that my journey has taught me that um, every person has a part to play in this movement for sure. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And your journey is just getting started and we're going to talk about it. So to begin, I'd love to ask you, what is Earth Guardians? Because that's obviously how we were connected. Yes, of course. Um, So Earth Guardians is an intergenerational organization with youth at the forefront. Um, We train youth to become effective leaders within the environmental, social and climate justice movements um, using art, music, storytelling, civic engagement, grassroots action and legal action. and, you know, with the, the support and resources that Earth Guardians gives, kind of our big vehicle for change and support group is um, Earth Guardians youth-led intergenerational on-the-ground crews who, you know, really just engage in solution-based projects to tackle issues that they are identifying within their own personal communities. Um, we have 300 crews across the globe in 60 different countries. So there's a wide range that we see when we're, you know, talking, discussing together about what's going on and everyone's, you know, part of the world. But I think I've also been able to get a very unique opportunity to see um, how people think about these issues in different countries. And it's a beautiful, beautiful position to be in. Yeah. So you're the youth director of Earth Guardians. Is that right? What did you have any positions before that? I actually did. Um, When I first got involved with Earth Guardians, I was um, a RISE Youth Council member. And then um, that fall, so it was 2017, the fall of 2017, I was asked to become regional crew director. And so I was responsible for the crews in the surrounding Colorado areas. So my, um, the first thing that I did is I kind of reestablished Earth Guardians Boulder crew, um, which is still like chugging along today. There's a new, new crew lead now, um, which I think is just so beautiful to see. Um, and then I helped kind of establish some crews in Longmont, Denver, Fort Collins, uh, Weld County, and um, just tried to do my best to really support, you know, youth. I was like 15, 16 years old in that time. And yeah. then uh, when I was 17 on the eve of my 17th birthday, um, it made sense. Um, and I was, I was in, I found myself in LA. Um, we were talking about kind of the, the strategy and Earth Guardians kind of trajectory as an organization. And uh, the Tamara, our, founding, um, our founder, asked me to be global crew director. And so for about six months, I've worked very extensively with our crews, trying to put some, you know, uh, different infrastructure and structure into place to really, you know, support them to the best of my ability, um, connect with them, onboard new crews. And then, you know, right before the big September 20th, 2019 strikes, that August, as we were planning our strategy to support the, you know, the youth movement, Um, I was asked to be youth director alongside Chita Scott Martinez, who's a close friend of mine and definitely I think one of the the first ever youth climate, um, youth climate warriors um, and celebrities. And so um, it was a big honor. And from this moment forward, um, I'm still youth director and it's just been such an honor and honestly such an amazing job to have. Yeah, I bet. I mean, connecting with the youth is awesome because these can still more likely to have that that optimism that I'm sure you and I both really love. Um, are you still in school right now at high school? So I graduated from high school last uh, spring. Awesome. So I'm okay. taking a copy right now. Beautiful. Um, yeah. Good choice. Good choice. I know. Seriously. Um, at the end of 
my senior year, I was like, I really don't want to do school via Zoom. And I'm really glad that I made the decision to go on a gap Excellent. Yeah. So what does your day-to-day look like then as youth director? What kind of tasks are you taking on? Yeah. So, I mean, it's been a journey to get here. And I have to say, um, kind of my first and foremost most responsibility is listening to what our youth need, um, advocating for them, and then strategizing how to get them the tools and resources. Um, so on the day-to-day, I lead a youth council, which is the lead organizing and decision-making body of youth within the organization um, in alignment with staff and board. Um, I reestablished that council back in 2020. We launched back in 2020. Um, but we work with youth from across the United States, Canada, and Central America. And then I also work alongside um, my kind of fellow co uh, regional crew coordinators, which are located in Costa Rica and Togo, Africa. Um, and they are responsible for supporting our regional directors, which um, just to name a few places in the world that they're active um, on the continent of Africa, Europe, um, Asia, and the Americas. Um, so it's pretty, it's pretty spectacular to see their scope and really trying to support how best we can strategize and working all together. And then um, of course, checking in with my adult staff members as well as my youth staff members. Um, and then the last thing that I've just been really doing this, this past year in 2021 um, has been leading a program and training for, like training organizing uh, for the summer um, for our project grants and then our summer crew training. Wow, okay, awesome. Very, very, very cool. Uh, I guess I wanted to ask what role, generally speaking, do you think the youth have to play in this fight against climate change? Because obviously we're the ones who are kind of inheriting this big dumpy mess. And it's kind of, I just put it as they kind of, the the old generations kind of screwed us over in the sense that they didn't change. And now every day we don't take action. We have to take like twice as much action. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I'd just love to get your thoughts on this. Yeah. I mean, the big thing I think is that youth inspire people. Um, Okay. Again, a big example that we can see was the 2019 climate strikes, um, where millions of youth really took to the streets and inspired and called on adults to also support them. And in that process, since that movement, I have seen so much growth in the way that our politicians are talking about these issues, the way that um, corporations and companies have had to like, you know, start to establish and adopt new principles because they're trying to like, right, compete for the consumer dollar. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, as youth, what we've done really well is that um, our individual actions have come together to build momentum and we've pushed our fellow adults to take action too. And so now we're just really trying to work intergenerationally towards the solutions because we can't wait 20 years to, you know, be the next politician and CEOs. That's like always what's kind of thrown at us or originally that's what was thrown at us. Um, And I think I'm starting to see that um, adults and youth are beginning to figure out how we can work together. And that has really propelled us forward um, to this moment in 2021, where I think there's been a lot of change that has happened even since I was a 14 year old. Yeah, I mean, I certainly hope so. And what what kind of actions do you find really has an effect on the youth that you're speaking with that really inspires them to go out and take action like you? Because not everyone has spent their whole life being in, involved with nature and connecting to their more spiritual side. Some people have been very sheltered. Like I talked about in the last episode, people spend their whole life living in the city and don't spend much time in the wilderness. So how can we kind of, yeah, connect? I don't know. I'm not sure what the most effective way to connect with people is. Cause as I understand it, you are an author and a poet. Is that right? So I kind of yes. have a, an idea that maybe art has something to do with connecting with people. Maybe, I don't know. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I think we can, I don't know if you know this, but, um, you know, scientists have been warning our politicians um, in the United States since about the 1960s about the impacts of climate change. So I've heard. Um, Yes. Um, And so I think we can agree that a lot of the known data is super scary and um, it makes us feel like the future is no good and that it's going to be apocalyptic, correct? Mm -hmm. So um, I think the beauty that... um, Not if we have anything to do about it. Yeah, I know. True. Exactly. Um, you know, so, so sadly, because of, you know, the fear that has been really instilled within, you know, populations around the climate crisis, um, I've seen within my generation, high rates of teen, teen suicide, depression, and anxiety, and psychologists have begun to link it with eco anxiety, which is, you know, um, you know, people being afraid of the climate crisis and the impact that it has and the, you know, the, the, the super storms that it, you know, causes such incredible stress on people. Um, And so the beauty that art has to play is that art inspires us. It makes us feel joy. And sometimes, you know, when I'm feeling stressed, there's a moment where it's like, okay, well, when was the last time that I danced, sang, told stories, wrote, or, you know, just sat in silence and just connected in with my breath. And I think that that goes for music. Like that's a very easy example to use, right? Like, Mm -hmm. You get in your car, you're about to, you know, go over to your friend's house, you're on your way to work, you can turn on music and depending on your mood, it can just totally uplift where you were at. Um, and so I think, you know, for a few examples, um, people that I listen to are like Nako for Nako and Medicine for the People, Trevor Hall, um, even my friend Chita Scott, um, who are also sharing positive messages about how we can take action. And so when people are moving to that, you know, that message, it's also inspiring them and they're able to engage in, in, um, in inspiring themselves to then creatively think about these solutions. And so I would say that art helps us think creatively, uh, creatively, and it also um, sparks our inspir. Our sorry, it sparks our imagination, um, and so we can't act on the climate crisis in a place of fear because it just puts us in, you know, the fight, flight, or freeze stage. Um, but with art, we can think creatively about the solutions forward, um, and we can look at, okay, what is the future we actually do want to see. Um, so I just believe that art is just inspiring people to engage in creative dialogue and um, getting us thinking about the ways that we can actually um, create a positive impact in our world instead of, you know, feeling depressed and sad and scared. Um, certainly. And I feel like our generation is very much um, brought up on Disney as well. I'll give you like a little personal story. I think um, art, for, first off, it's a quote by Kanye, the artists define the culture. And I think the culture is really what kind of controls the way people think. And I think we have a lot of negative aspects. But one thing that's really inspired me in my life, I'm very profoundly impacted by the um, the Avengers series. I don't know if you were a Marvel yep. fan at all, but yep. they have, it's, they're ridiculous films, you know, like Black Widows, like killing yep. aliens with her legs and stuff. Yep. But like, they have these huge surmounting challenges that seem completely unconquerable. And then when they work together, they're all characters. They're all humans who have emotional, who have um, character flaws and they overcome their flaws to come together and conquer this unconquerable challenge. So I kind of feel 
like I've been indoctrinated into like the Avengers gang and I want to get together with all my friends. And I think we can, you know, we can get together and we can do this. So those are just my thoughts on how yeah. art can, because that's how I've been profoundly impacted by that. And I can say that a couple of my friends who we, yeah. we grew up on Marvel, you know, so I still believe in this. We can, you know, we can conquer the infinity. I, I don't know. Absolutely. No, I agree. I was just going to like put a little tidbit. There's been so many conversations with different, you know, groups of Earth Guardians youth talking about how like, we got to be, you know, the, the Avengers of the climate justice movement, Absolutely. we're going to come together and we're going to conquer the, the evils of the climate crisis and social inequity and all this stuff. Cause I, so I agree with you, you know, youth are really yeah. thinking that way. We're like, okay, you know, the adults are saying we feel hopeless and we're stuck and we can't do anything. And the youth are like, okay, that's BS. Like, let's, let's get real here. We can, we can make some impact. Yeah. And I think the artists have been trying to sprinkle that into their work to, to convey to the youth that where there, there is still a chance. And if you never, if you always believe um, that there's a possibility that there's a possibility that's always there, but that might just be uh, you and I are our, our naivety as young people. Cause I know some older folks kind of do give up on hope, but you know, I'm not there and I don't plan to be there ever. And with people like you who are, you're four, you're five years younger than me and I'm extremely inspired by everything you're doing. So let's continue talking about it. Um, <laughs> I I'm curious if you have like a standout moment, uh, your experience connecting with these youth leaders across the globe, like something, something comes out, like sticks out in your mind that really was impactful on you to be like, yes, this is amazing. I love this work. I mean, I feel like anytime that I get to gather with other like-minded youth, um, but a few that just stick out just the, you know, the, the top of my head, um, I had an opportunity to go to Sweden um, and connect with our regional crew directors. And we're talking like people from Togo, Africa, um, Bhutan, um, uh, the, uh, Mexico, Australia, um, the United States, all coming together and sharing their experiences, sharing you know their upbringings and us all connecting to really just the basis of how much we care about the earth and what we're doing in our everyday lives and in our you know, global impact and action. And how, you know, when, when it comes all together, there's just such a powerful moment that happens when we feel vulnerable, but we're also showing up authentically. Um, and I know for myself, I came back from Sweden and instantly was like, okay, that's the, that was the moment when I was like, okay, I need to restart this Earth Guardians Boulder crew. Awesome. I'm going to get involved at the local level. Um, I'm going to go start testifying, you know, against fracking, all this stuff. Like it, it inspired me, honestly, to take that next step into my activism. And so I very much believe that, you know, within gathering as youth, I mean, another example with the pandemic is um, I've been leading um, global crew calls, you know, for the past year with our crews across the globe, um, as well as our youth council calls. And something that I've heard from our youth is, these calls have been, uh, have been, have saved my life. They've just literally kept me sane in this time of so much, you know, hopelessness and fear um, and isolation, but it keeps us, you know, believing that we can come together and we're not alone in this. And so I think, you know, it's so important for, for youth and other people to gather together um, because when we're connecting, we're inspiring one another, and then we're sharing what works within our communities, we're able to bring back those stories, bring back those experiences and bring back those tools to then make a positive impact on our communities. 
Yeah. And beyond, beyond art, we're talking about just general interpersonal connections between people, which has been so adversely impacted you know, by the changes that have gone on in the last year. But even beyond that, specifically as Americans, like something I picked up when I was in Australia and I would be walking around campus with my headphones in, I'm like, I'm, I'm the only person who's like alone. Like everyone's like always together with people. But in this country, we feel like we're taught to just go out and do it ourselves. But you know, collaboration is really what makes huge strides and huge impacts, but you know, what, whatever. Interesting thoughts. Um, so we were, we're talking a lot about the youth, but I'm curious your thoughts on how we can kind of bridge this divide between people who have been strongly conditioned by this consumer economy, this growth economy that we've been talking about on the show the last few weeks versus the youth who are still kind of building their identity and are lean and are willing to change. How can we work together with people who have these hard views and these people who are willing to change? Good question. Um, I'm going to start first with a story and then I'll kind of go into some of my tools that I've been able to kind of be able to I've been able to pick up on in the past few years. Um, so before the pandemic, like a month before, I had an opportunity to go to LA and give a talk at a university. And the woman that was showing me around the city um, brought us to this ice cream shop. And she started to ask me like, don't you feel hopeless? Like you'll never win for what you're fighting for. And I was, I was super honest. I was like, no, not really. Like, you know, I'm Of course, there's moments where I feel terrified, but I'm able to kind of ground back into my work and be like, this is possible. But she just kept getting more and more kind of hysteric about it. Like, well, what's going to happen? And, you know, what's, you know, what are we going to have to do? And I was like, well, if it doesn't work, maybe we'll have to, you know, shift the way that we work in our systems. And then she was like, well, that, will that live like lead to revolution and war? And I was like, this is an ice cream shop. (laughs) Yes, exactly. With a woman who had brought me here to speak about climate change. And I realized that she just felt so deeply hopeless. Like she felt like she'd done the work already and it hadn't done anything and therefore nothing else worked. But there was this really crazy moment where we were done with our ice cream. She got up, I was able to breathe because I was like, well, this is really intense. Like I feel, um, I feel a little bit drained from this experience. She walked over, threw her ice cream cup away, came back, sat down and said, Marlo, I'm so glad that you came. I believe that you woke up all of those old white people, but -hmm. you give me hope, hope that our world can actually be saved. And it was this moment where it's like, whoa, like you just were trying to put on me that like, we all need to feel hopeless about this and there's no solution, but that you want a solution. But at the end of the day, you are also are still inspired to continue on. So why I'm talking about that (laughs) Um, is that I think that there are a few tools that we can use when we're talking to people who feel like they know everything, that there's no way to get out of this, or they're like, you know, we should just keep going business as usual. What's wrong? Um, And the biggest thing that we can do is actively listen and breathe. So what do I mean by that? Um, Actively listening can teach us to listen to the person in front of us and hear what their needs are. Um, I notice that, um, when I listen to my teammates, um, they feel like they're heard. And when I feel heard, I feel like I can trust the people around me. So I'm guessing that's what's going on. And when there's Mm -hmm. trust between a team, it creates a happier and more dynamic team and teamwork, right? Maybe collaboration has to play in that too. But anyways, (laughs) um, active listening can also support us in talking to those that we're opposed to. Um, So when I notice that I'm feeling triggered about what somebody is saying, or I don't want to hear what their story is, or I just want to like shut down, 
that's when I pause, take a deep breath, um, get present because then I get to hear what their message is, what their story is, and really just hear what, what do they need? And, you know, I'm not trying to figure out what I'm going to say next. I'm just trying to listen. And when they're done, I try to give myself like a three to five second pause and think through some questions like, do I have anything to add to this conversation? Do I want to ask any questions to clarify what they're saying? And then most importantly, you you know, doing the internal work always is why was I triggered by their message? Mm. And do I just need some time to process what they're saying? And these tools have really helped me to understand why people are the way that they are. Um, It's also supported me to see that, right, every person has an experience and a story that has brought them to this place. Um, And when you create a space for dialogue, it creates a space for growth. Um, So pretty much kind of what I hope for at the end of a really tough conversation is that I listened to every individual to the best of my ability. And it helps me to see, you know, what's going on in our world, micro to macro levels. Um, And that the work can be super overwhelming. We're talking about really, really big things. Um, And so when you start to feel overwhelmed, I also think it's super important to pause, take a breath, even touch into like, wow, I'm really grateful for the air around me. You know, you can give gratitude to the trees and oceans and waterways that are providing us with our air. Um, and then that breath can center you, you know, get you more present and out of your fear space. And then you can look at that person and, you know, across from you, see them as a person and then be able to creatively think about what your next step is forward. Yeah, that's all. Well, there's a lot in what you just said. And I think like calling it breathe, I was like, Hmm. But then once you explain it, it's like, that totally makes sense. It's about this idea of kind of getting out of yourself, you're you're feeling that the person is antagonizing you or whatever, and really understanding that they're another human on the other side. And you might be aware, we're 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 struggling with this lately. Um, We don't want to hear the other opinion. We want to we want to push our ideas onto others. And the more and more I talk about these issues, the more and more I'm convinced that the solution, which we'll talk about in a second, is some sort of dialogue or social connection between people. I'm trying to think, thinking about artificial intelligence and connecting everyone's minds together. So we're all like, Hey, let's not destroy everything. I'd like, let's all realize we're all in this together, which, but again, this is like the we're young optimism thing, whereas the world works one way or the other, but fair enough. We'll move on to just general solutions to the topic of climate change, because I've been getting into talking about um, overpopulation and overgrowth, but specifically, let's focus on your thoughts on what what your most, what solutions to solve the climate problem um, that you come to mind. Great. So first of all, I just learned that the uh, Paris Climate Accord actually started out as an initiative to regenerate the denuded forest and overgrazed lands in France. Yeah. So if, have you seen the, the documentary kiss the ground with Woody Carlson? Okay. Yeah. Mind blowing. <laughs> I love yeah, it. It's good. It's good. I'm getting into the more rigid. Yeah. It used to be like, how are we going to create a sustainable society? And I'm like, we need to regenerate everything as well. Yeah, we've, already, exactly. we've already killed most of it. 
Yeah. yeah. So um, one of our former youth council members is named uh, Sierra, Sierra Robinson. She's also a close friend of mine. And she did a TEDx talk last year to talk about regenerative agriculture. Beautiful. And then she's been training communities um, across Canada um, to use regenerative agriculture. And I think we can say that we're really lucky in Boulder to have great farmers who are beginning to do this as well, like Black Hat and Macaulay Farms. Um, but I really believe that, you know, talking about local climate solutions in Boulder County, one of the most powerful steps we could take is in reversing climate change um, is locally embarking on the efforts to regenerate our soil in our open spaces. You know, mm -hmm. there's hundreds of acres of denuded and overgrazed pastures. But um, we could really create some solid solutions. Um, and the beauty about Boulder County is we have huge industrial compost facilities. So we already could build soil health that way. Um, we would be able to restore prairie lands and native grasses, which then holds um, a lot of moisture instead of it running off, you know, bare uh, clay, hard packed soil. Um, and then when the green stuff grows, it cools the um, earth cools the soil, um, which then cools the ambient air temperature. Um, and when ambient air temperature is cold, then it attracts moisture, kind of like a magnet. <laughs> I love this awesome. idea. So it's like magic, right? And then um, when we have, you know, better and, you know, productive storms, it also supports our alpine forests, which if we can think about Colorado be known for skiing and everything, um, the snow falls and it supports our snowpack, which then supports our watersheds. Um, and when there's more water in the soil, um, we have less intense wildfires, which again was a huge issue last year. Um, so ultimately, if our grasslands are restored, we can improve the microclimate here in Colorado um, and along the Front Range at like such an immense level. Um, and, you know, working with nature, I think, is pretty, pretty powerful. And I think that we could do more of it and it would support um, our... Uh, it would support our different, you know, um, animal species that are out there with us as well. Um, and I think it's pretty, it's pretty magical. So that's one solution that we could do. I feel like it's pretty easy um, right now. We'll see, but it's not very um, politi politically charged. So it's not trying to pull mm -hmm. people. Um, so they'll find a way. Don't worry. They'll find a way to politicize it. <laughs> I know, but let's hope that they don't. And if they do, we'll call them out on that. Yeah, well, who are they anyways? We always we always talk about they, but it's really, it's just us. Um, I mean, it's true. It's all of us. You're very right. Us yeah. versus them needs to also go away. Yeah, oh, I love it. You would love the the episode I did with Phil Taylor from Mad Ag. You should definitely check that out. He's on the, the same wavelength as us. <laughs> um, yeah, and then regenerating our topsoil is going to sequester carbon as well yes. back into the ground, you know? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's just it like, I don't know, it's just such a simple solution. We would see the impacts almost right away. It would support our air, would support our climate, would support our water. It would support our forests and our animal like friends. I don't know. It's such a simple solution. And I just think that it would be so easy to, to uh, start here in Boulder County. So we'll see. Yeah. 
yeah no we'll, we'll make it happen we got this me and you um it's it has multiple multiple beneficial effects as well like we can also grow food that we eat locally which will bring down transportation emissions transportation emissions and stuff like that but let's let's talk a little bit more about earth guardians because it's this very inclusive organization with this focus on um inequality and social justice as well so i want to i wanted to ask your thoughts on how the, this inequality and social justice movements is connected to climate change yeah um so i think the first thing that i just want to recognize is that bipoc communities are the most impacted by the climate crisis and objectively when i say bipoc i'm saying black indigenous and people of color it's just like the more inclusive term um uh-huh. an example of this sort of you know um uh this impact um is cancer alley in louisiana which has been almost named a sacrifice zone makes me so sad <laughs> we're entire when when where entire towns are subject to massive industrial refinery projects and chem, chemical plants um, and plastic production a byproduct of fossil fuel infrastructure um, and we also see this in Colorado um, Palmer City is disproportionately impacted by the chemicals released and air pollution by the Suncor refinery just mm-hmm. east of us um, towns along the coast reliant on oceans for their livelihood, um, for fishing and tourism are most impacted by rising seas and water pollution resulting from accidents like Deepwater Horizon explosions, which last I checked is still leaking oil. Um, so the people with the least res- resources are m- impacted the most, impacting their health, safety and livelihood. And so this goes back to environmental racism. Um, which is a huge issue. And so, you know, within EG, what we've been really having to focus on, especially in the past year with the rise of the Black Lives Matter movements after George Floyd's death was, you know, the youth council came together and started to ask those really hard questions. Like how, how do we need to dismantle white supremacy within even our own organization? And through that process, we've had to have really hard conversations around funding structures and how are decisions made and how can we make sure that it's more decentralized, that every voice is heard. Um, and if somebody has a concern, let's work through it together because that'll create a more dynamic, trusting and supportive team. Um, so that's just one example that I'm seeing within Earth Guardians as a micro level, you know, really just trying to figure out how best can we support one another. And through that process, you begin to understand and learn from one another, um, from the different experiences that people have had. And you begin to represent, you know, many voices when you come to these sort of conversations like this one today. Yeah, very cool. Well, thank you so much for telling me all about what the work that you're doing at Earth Guardians. And it's been a real pleasure to have you on the show. And now at the end here, I kind of just want to talk about all the other stuff you're doing because you, you're, you're just you're so active doing all these amazing things. And I think people have definitely got a feel for who you are throughout this whole climate talk. But something I noticed, I believe you, you have a website. It's, it's at MarloBaines.com. Yes, it is. So everyone go check it out. She's amazing. She's doing lots of cool stuff. And I wanted to ask you what it means to you. And we've talked about it a little bit through the show for us to kind of move from a society of competition to more of collaboration. And obviously you can tell I'm kind of obsessed with this kind of idea as well. Great, great question. Um, I very much am rooted in the value of collaboration. Um, so let's let's break it down. Um, let's do it. So, Our economic systems in capitalism are built on the premise of free market society. However, that's kind of gone really out of whack with unhealthy competition. You know, it's like a winners takes all mentality. This zero sum game means that one company wins and then the rest lose. 
Um, so we've had massive corporations like Walmart making billions of dollars and yet they're not able to pay their employees a livable wage. Um, and we see the corruption that comes when industries get too big to fail and then convinces the government to subsidize them with our tax dollars and propagate the system, uh, which causes them to be too big anyways and fail without you know, that support. So um, an example for that is the oil and gas industry. Um, it's received trillions of dollars um, of support from the federal government in tax write-offs and other forms. And instead of opening up our energy markets to new and sustainable forms of energy production, um, it works actively to suppress innovation to keep us addicted to oil. It's insanity. <laughs> so when I mm -hmm. say like collaboration is necessary, we, we need to work together. And when you start to you know, work together, right? Actively listening, breathing through the difficulties, um, we start to see that um, you know, the financial gain as a zero sum game. We're all in it together. We're creating space for new solutions, new systems, and we can raise each other up in support of healthy economics um, and you know, healthy communities, which is then creating just a healthier ecosystem. Um, and I just think overall collaboration just teaches us more about the people that are around us. It connects us more, it doesn't isolate us away from one another. Um, and you can feel the amazing energy that happens when uh, people are more connected and they can be vulnerable. They can share what they're experiencing. Um, and that's just super powerful. It really is. And you use the phrase collaboration. And in, in my work, in my business, I choose to use the phrase enlightened self-interest, which was brought to my attention by um, Alexis de Tocqueville, which is a French philosopher who wrote a book or a, a work called Democracy in America, where he's explaining why the country functions so well. And I truly believe, I know there's a lot of bad stuff going on. There's a lot of corruption, but I do believe that enlightened self-interest, which is the idea that considering others before yourself ultimately allows you to serve yourself at the deep and most fulfilling level. Perhaps it's because of my personality type that I feel that way. But I do feel like if everyone was just considering helping others and believing that it'll come back, pay it forward kind of thing. Again, optimists, we're optimists here, but let's just get the ideas out there and see if we can find more of us. That's what I'm yeah. saying. And there's a lot of them out there. I know that for sure. <laughs> Good. That makes me feel better. So not only are you an activist, but you're also an artist and an author. So I wanted you to tell me a little bit about your book and why you decided to write it. And then what's the name of the book, of course, as well. Awesome. Yeah. So I self-published a poetry book last year called Little Black Book, A Young Activist's Love Story. And um, it's really interesting. I've always loved writing since I was little. Um, I wanted to become a creative writer. Um, cool. And actually this past, uh, past gap year, I worked on my first draft that had over 50,000 words, which was a huge accomplishment. But right on. last year um, I got into poetry um, and it was after a realization that like, you know, poetry doesn't have to just be like haikus and really like stuffy structured poems, um, but you could just rewrite. And um, I was originally just inspired by one of my classes to start writing poetry. And then I started to realize that, whoa, like when I have a really stressful day or I have a strange conversation with somebody, I could actually just sit down and create art through it and inspiring others in doing so. You know, like I read it to my friends, I read it to my family and they'd be like, whoa, like that touches me. Thanks, Marlo. Yeah. So um, I started to write more of it and I had this little black notebook, kind of like this one. This is the big version, but it was kind of like that. 
and I just would carry it in my pocket everywhere. So I'd find myself at the museum writing poems. Um, I find myself on the airplane many times writing poems. Um, and it, you know, just was a space where I could, you know, just be myself. I could share what was going on, whether it was from work, it was from school, or it was like, you know, from personal relationships um, with other people. And um, I had to do a senior project um, for my, my senior year in high school. And I decided I wanted to self-publish my poetry book um, as kind of the final product because I'd always wanted to publish a book. Um, and I'd kind of like set this little goal in my head when I was younger to have a book published before I was 18. So I published this book like a week before I turned 18. Um, <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, and it was such an amazing and incredible process. Um, and it's been so beautiful because kind of the ripple effect of that has been um, inspiring other people to write, to share their art. I started sharing more of my poetry on Instagram and instantly saw my closer friends sharing their art as well. Um, and so this past year, I started a poetry group on Instagram. Um, it's just something I do every weekend where I lead people through writing uh, writing prompts and then we share our art at the end of it. And um, I've also <laughs> filled out two huge uh, notebooks of poetry so I'm hoping to publish a second book in the next year or two um, and I just again I believe art's a really great way to connect with people um, make us feel things and that's just really where it came down to was I wanted to create this art and I wanted to share it with people please continue even your words are art and what is communication really more than just taking something that's inside and figuring out a way to convey it to others. And I love that. And I love that you, you said the story about how, when you tell other people they are like, Oh, I can feel, I can feel your essence through your poetry. And that's kind of the idea, which is really, really awesome. So the last thing that we're going to talk about is this course that you have, you're, you're teaching young women now. Um, it's on your website again, marlobaines.com. Everyone go check it out. She's doing lots of cool stuff, but what is this course? Can you tell me a little bit more about it? Yeah. So, I mean, you've probably gotten the vibe that I had a pretty crazy high school experience, very different and unique from the one that most traditional, you know, tradition, like kids traditionally go through. Yeah, I'm jealous. Um, <laughs> and something that I really wanted to kind of pay forward was um, kind of being an older sister and mentor to young girls who are about to, you know, embark on the journey of high school. Um, so last week, or sorry, lot yesterday was my first ever kind of day of the course. Um, Congratulations. Young, thank you. This young group of girls. And it was just, it's been amazing to connect with, you know, young women who are on the ages of like 13 and 14, um, who are going through similar struggles with, uh, that, that I also went through and I'm going through currently. Um, but the difference is that, you know, they're still growing up and they're still trying to figure out those tools and resources that they can use to, you know, remind themselves that they are loved and that, you know, the self-doubt does not have to rule all and that they can make decisions, um, for themselves and build their life the way that they want to. So, um, we'll be spending, you know, the four to six weeks, um, building um, the sort of healthy ecosystem that they want to build, looking at uh, the things that they want to accomplish either in the next year, a few years, um, figuring out, you know, ways to set, you know, tangible goals for them to reach. Um, and it's just the little small steps that they can take every day. So I'm hoping that it's going to be a success. Um, it's been so far so fun. Sorry. It's been so fun so far. <laughs> um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing the impact that it will have afterwards. And that kind of work is is so meaningful. It's really I, what I think is the best way to spend your time is either teaching or just kind of spending time with others just in a 
I don't even know, just like generally just communicating with other people. We were stuck in the cubicles and we're sending emails and stuff. And it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't vibe, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's, I mean, that's been the beautiful thing within EG and then outside of my work. I mean, some of my closest friends come from Earth Guardians. And the beautiful thing is like we hop on a call and it's just nice because we we're all friends and we can just kind of talk about what's going on in our lives and then get down to work. And then afterwards, I'll be like texting, texting my youth coworkers like, hey, how's it going? And like checking in. And if there's a struggle, like we're going through it together. Um, so I definitely agree with you, like communication has like saved my life and it definitely brings so much more um, hope to me every single day. Yeah. So keep doing it. And that's great. Um, Where do you see yourself in five years? Cause now interesting. I wrote that question a couple of weeks ago. You're five years younger than me. So in five years, you're in my seat. So Marlo, where do you see yourself? God, that's a great question. Um, To be honest, I don't really know. Um, But Um, most likely I will be um, graduated from college. Um, I Currently, I'm thinking about studying psychology because, as you've probably noticed, I love um, people and wanting to figure out how best to work and collaborate and support one another that way. Um, I also want to continue to do this work. Um, I'm hoping that I have a second poetry book written and hopefully it's inspired some more people. Um, I hope to continue to do this work. And I hope that on a global level or a national level um, that the, you know, the climate crisis is seen as a very valid issue to take action on and that people you know in every sector every personal um household are taking the steps that they need to take to you know collectively make that impact um to not only stop the climate crisis but reverse um the emissions that have been put into our atmosphere um and i do believe that it's possible you know people People are changing and in the past four years, um, I've even seen just how much it takes from, you know, one youth showing up to a meeting and being like, oh, the youth are here Um, Mm -hmm. to then, you know, millions of youth pouring into the streets, working together, collaborating together and really showing adults how it can be done. Um, So I think it's going to be a really interesting ride. (laughs) I might have to check in and see where I'm at, though. (laughs) I I definitely will. And don't worry, dude, we're, uh, we're going to get it done. And we're going to get it done in the next 10 years. Cause like you and me, we're, we're not going to give up. And then, like you said, there's millions of us who are coming of age every single day. So thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story, your evolving story. You're welcome back at any time. And then no, most people would be like, um, you know, you're so cool. You're going to do great things. I think you're already doing great things and you're already amazing. So I'm excited to see where the story continues to get better and better and better. If you ever need anything, feel free to reach out to me and Climate Change Realty will support you on whatever you're doing. And thank you so much for coming on. It's been a real honor to speak with you today, Marlo. Thank you so much, Ethan. It's been such a pleasure and just really appreciate like-minded people like yourself. You're very, very welcome. All right, everyone. And we'll be back next week with another amazing person. So everyone have a great weekend. Take it easy. Bye. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening to Changing the Climate a podcast hosted by Climate Change Realty, the most innovative real estate corporation ever conceptualized. Visit ccrboulder.com today.